0: This is Cale Brown. Now, I didn't play a doctor on TV, but I will prescribe Brandon's Buzz for... Absolutely. Anybody who wants to know what's really going on. Hey,
1: guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz.
0: This is Taylor Dane, and you are listening to the one and only Brandon Buzz. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. This is Linda Dano. I'm on Brandon's Buzz, and I have to tell you, what a fun hour I just had. Ah. Uh, This is a great kid with a wonderful heart and soul. You listen every day. I know I will. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big. I'm live and kicking on Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Dave Romero, and you're going to love buzzing with Brandon's Buzz.
1: Hey guys, welcome back at long last to Brandon's Buzz. I am Brandon, and I'm thrilled to be back with you after quite a hiatus. Uh, I've been off the air for a while now, as I'm sure you've noticed, contemplating the future of Brandon's Buzz. As some of you may or may not know, there have been some major changes here at Blog Talk Radio over the past few months. And I've been deep in thought trying to figure out where this show goes from this juncture. And while I'm not yet ready to make a definitive pronouncement on the state of things just yet, I want to take this moment to thank the many of you who have written me over the past weeks, asking questions and, you know, inquiring as to what's going on. And although I have not had time to write all of you back... And, uh, you know, give your letters the attention they deserve. I do want you all to know that I appreciate the sentiments and the interest contained therein, and that I continue to be incredibly grateful for all of your support of this crazy endeavor known as Brandon's Buzz. Uh, In the meantime, I'm back this spring with a handful of shows, and boy, have I got a hot one today. It's April 22nd, 2011, and as I always say, it's not nice to play favorites when you do this job. But let it suffice to say... It is always a great day when the magnificent Linda Dano calls in for a chat. She's, of course, best known and best loved for her work in daytime television, and for most of the past four years, she's been a sensation on QVC, for whom she has designed a stunningly successful line of home decor accessories. She returns to QVC this coming Monday, April 25th, at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, with her latest additions to the Linda Dano Home Collection. And although she was coming here anyway to discuss that and to give us a preview of the latest version of the collection, as an Emmy-winning veteran of the soap grind and as an actress who you know, worked on every one of the ABC soaps over the, over the years, she couldn't help but share her feelings about the news that rocked the daytime world last week, and we hadn't been on the phone with each other all of 30 seconds before we dove right into reviews about the losses of all my children and one life to live. Whoa. I, just,
0: I have to tell you, I said this to someone earlier, I would have bet money that this could never happen, that both shows. Get cancelled at the same time, you know, because I, they own them, I,
1: and and you'll you'll never them. convince me,
0: you'll them.
1: never convince me that they're losing money on those shows. You'll never convince me of that.
0: I know. You see, my theory has always been they bring young people on, not because they're so bent on getting the young viewership, although they'd like that, but wouldn't you like any viewership? <laughs> I think they do it because it's less money. I have to tell you, I was more shocked about children because it's the jewel of ABC.
1: And it it's Susan Lucci, is. and, you know, even people who don't yeah. know soap know Susan Lucci.
0: Exactly. And the fact that it's going first, it ends in September, and one life goes until February. So I've spoken to a lot of friends. Everybody's a little rocked by it. Rumors have been flying for a while. But, you know, you never, it's like when someone is ill and and, and they suddenly die, and you just, find yourself hitting a wall. And it's not just for my friends who still work in the business. And when I say friends, I'm not just talking about actors. I'm talking about all those people who help put these shows together. When you do a show for this long, they all become family, every damn one of them. And I worry about them, you know, because I know them and I know they have family and kids in school and they've got house payments to make, just like the rest of the world. And then I worry, oh, my God, what's going to happen to them? Because there's so sure. few jobs in New York in particular. And when I think that ABC relocated, you know what a what an incredibly difficult thing that was for so many people? Oh, my God. I mean, Torsten K. wouldn't go. He wouldn't leave Susan. And his child, he just wouldn't go, and so he quit. David Canary called it a day. Mm-hmm. He went out to finish up his contract.
1: And word had it that he, Susan Lucci thought seriously about about hanging out. Oh, she
0: did. Susan was not happy about going back and forth. Home to her is the East. <laughs> and it's shocking, really, and very, very sad. It's sad on so many levels, because those of us who have had the great honor and privilege working in daytime, it's just beyond sad the day that I heard and I got the word that they were canceled. I just sat here in my house in Connecticut and cried. I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. You know, everybody sounds fine. Everybody's doing, you know, oh, you know, we've heard the rumors for a long time. We're all okay. We're all okay. But nobody's ever okay. it's it's never easy to say goodbye. And I feel so sad for the viewers. I was at a show today. I'll give you an example called Better Connecticut. It's Connecticut's leading talk show. And I went to do an interview and to show some of my home accessories because I have a show on Monday, and and they're always so great, and I love to go there, and I've co-hosted it, and you know, and I Scott Haney and I are friends, and who's one of the hosts, so I was there, and the guy who put the mic on me, Linda, what am I gonna do now? I <laughs> said, I know, is it children or one life, or is it both? And he went, one life. I I mean, I can't bear it. I can't bear it. This was a guy. This was a guy-guy who was just brokenhearted because one life had gotten canceled. And I thought, you know what? Multiply that by millions sure. of people who have all those memories, all those friends they've made. That's what I think happens. That was the, the, the uniqueness of a soap opera. The audience becomes family as well because they know you. They live through every one of your painful and happiest moments. And when you're gone and they don't get to see you anymore, it's like having a death in the family. And I think that is beyond sad and awful. Oh, I just think it's awful. And I I don't hate anybody. You know, what are you going to do? It's it's all business. I know all the lines that everybody has said for years. And I know all the kids right now. Everybody's talking about, well, maybe so-and-so will buy it. Oprah, you should buy it not going to happen. Those things don't happen. First of all, ABC would never sell it, and if they did, they'd have to sell it for so much money. It would be just silly, and it would make ABC look bad. You know what I mean? So I can't imagine that ever happening. But, you know, everyone so desperately wants it not to end, and it's hard.
1: One Life has been my show for the past 23 years. I mean, Literally, I grew up watching that show, and so it's personal this time.
0: Well, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. When I came to New York... To be with my husband Frank and left my mother and father and my brother. And it was very traumatic for me because I'm very, very close. Well, they're all in heaven now, but I was very close to my family. And, um, killed me to tell them I was leaving and going to live in New York. My father just, <laughs> oh, he couldn't bear to look at me. He was so upset. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was really a, an unbelievably brave and crazy thing that I was doing. And that's a testament of how much I love my husband and um my agent at the time because i was a working actor in california i did primetime said to me okay there's not a lot of work in new york but you know there's some soaps i said that's fine but i only want to go on one life to live because i know all the characters <laughs> just like you that was what i said to her and wow. i got on one life to live is that funny i've never that's really hilarious. told that story but that was my direction to the agent i didn't want to go on a show I didn't know the characters because I I wanted to be excited about it. And the hardest thing for me to do when I got to One Life, when I got the job, was to not call the actors by their character names. Cuz <laughs> I knew them by their character names. And I remember having a hell of a time calling Erica Vicky <laughs> because she was Erica. You know, I mean she was Erica and I couldn't I couldn't remember her name. I called her Vicky. <laughs> Oh, my God. It was awful. And I think that's why Bobby and I became such good friends. Because when he came on, he came on after me. And I knew him as Bobby Woods because I, he was introduced to me that way. And we became fast friends. We were still great, great, great friends. I called him the moment I heard and spoke to him and said, Are you all right? What, what, what do you think? And are you okay? I just... Oh, God. Awful. I think about Erica Slezak. I just did a piece about her in her booklet of her celebration of 40 years. She just sent mm. me an email about it.
1: And Susan,
0: their whole life
1: has been... Sure. These two no shows. question.
0: And I know when I left Another World after it was canceled, and I was, had been there 17 years, I thought I would never survive it. I was the last one to leave the building. I just... I was heartbroken. <laughs> I can't even imagine what Susan and Erica are going to do when they walk out that door for the last time. It's, I feel so bad for them. I just can't stand it. I can't stand it.
1: And you know what's funny about them is they've seen everybody come and go. I mean they've seen you know yeah.
0: heads oh, roll yeah. and
1: and in in every oh, direction, yeah. and they're, they've still they're the last ones standing. It's it's last it's pretty one. staggering to think that.
0: It really is.
1: I mean oh, Susan was what so uh, uh, what did she say, fifteen or sixteen when she started on on all my yeah. children? I mean. It's it's, it's stunning I mean, so
0: young She grew up on the show A million things happened to her while she was on the show She had her children when she was on the show Her whole life has been around all my children Her whole life And then how do you walk away from that Well, it's like a death It's just God awful It's like the worst thing You immediately got to go have a drink immediately And then have more after that Oh, God <laughs> <laughs> just awful, awful.
1: You know, the, oh,
0: I know the, everyone uh, hates Brian Franz right now They just want to kill him <laughs> <laughs> he said in some talk show, and he and he laughed about it, which you know enraged everybody, including me. You know, Jay, I think I should be in the witness protection. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then laughed. <laughs> it's not funny, pal.
1: That is the that to me is the staggering part of this whole thing. I mean, I, in I've I've lived through fourteen or fifteen of these cancellations in my lifetime, and you know I don't think I've ever seen a group of fans so enraged. And so heartbroken in my life. And on the other side of it, I've never seen.
0: Bill Larson emailed me because she's another close friend, and said, "Honey, do me a favor. Write a letter to ABC about children because the rumors are running rampant that you know they're going to cancel us. And I think if everybody writes, and I did, I wrote a letter and sent it off. A lot of good that did shows you my power.
1: (laughs) But you know, (laughs) on, on the other side of it, I've never seen such cavalier indifference and such. Flipping yeah, disregard really. for those fans on the other side, you know, on the part of the people swinging the You axe. get
0: the sense that he was just tickled pink when he made that call. Think about this. He has two shows that are going to fit into those two time slots. You don't get two shows unless there's been development going on for a long time. And you, you and bet. I both know that. You don't just pluck two shows out of the you air. Though so those have been going on for a while. And you know it, and probably 12 more.
1: Well, yeah, so I mean, you know, you have to a formulate 100 time. shows to get two that to get two that's that right. are worthy of going on the air. So that's correct.
0: You look at that and you go, Wow, why did they move children if they knew this was going to happen? They <laughs> had to have known. They had to have known because it takes a long time to do pilots, pick okay. scripts, and then choose shows. And since Brian Franz has pulled the plug happy, GH must be huffing and puffing about now, wondering when they're next. It's scary. You know, it's really, really, really scary.
1: I know that when you left One Life in, in 04, it was basically a mutual decision for all involved. And, and you know, it's, I'm not asking you to right. tell tells out of school here. but
0: I mean, I didn't want to stay. I was done. It had been a great ride. You know that. I've had sure. a great ride in daytime. I am very grateful, and, and I have so many great memories. And I loved everybody there, but they weren't writing me, and it, it was just so boring—sit to, to sit there all day and do one page. And I but you, said, know, it, you know, it was around I'm the done. same
1: time that it was around the same time that Jim DeFiva and Fiona Hutchinson were pushed out. And Vanilla Hughes and General Julia Barr were taken out of children, and you know Jackie Zeman and Leslie Carlson were were basically.
0: Weed through. I've always said, if Another World had stayed on the air, probably Stephen and I would occasionally show up. I mean, they would probably have used us once in a while because we're like the you know the foundation pieces of the show. ...when it went off the air. But, you know, when you come into a show and you're... ...even though I wasn't a new character, I kind of was when I came from Another World. So I had no... It's not like I was Erica Slezak in that show. I was Linda Dano playing Felicia Gallant in my show. And if you're not that, they weed you out. They get rid of you. And I told Frank, I just... I don't want to do this anymore, Frank. I, I want to go and travel with my husband, Frank. I, you know, I need to do that. I need to do other things now. And interestingly enough, I left sometime in March, and Frank was diagnosed in May. See, that's that phrase people talk about, you know, be careful about making plans. You know, life happens when you're making plans. It's true. It's true. It was lovely in a funny way that I left then, because when Frankie died in September, and when he was diagnosed in May, I spent every waking moment taking care of him. And I could because I wasn't on a soap. And then when he died, I was so consumed with the loss of him that mourning not working wasn't even in my psyche. I didn't even think about it. So I never went through all those changes that every actor goes through, which all these kids are going to go through. Because when you're on a soap and you're a front-runner character, you work a lot. And all of a sudden, you don't go to work. And your whole world is like you don't know what to do with yourself. See, and I never never went through that because I was just so consumed with grief. So I kind of skipped that, which for me was great. Believe me, I'd rather have felt that than what I had to feel, but you know what I mean. It's really, really, really interesting. But these actors and these people who have worked in these shows will be lost when it's over. You get lost. You You don't know what to do with yourself. You just kind of wander around aimlessly. It breaks my heart for them. I I know what they feel. I've been through it. And I'm particularly sad for Erica and for Susan.
1: But if you can think of I Michael Knight say, and Bob Woods and, you know,
0: oh God,
1: the people, who, Hillary Smith, I mean, the people who have really uh, been around.
0: Hillary and I were at dinner together in my apartment a week ago, and we were talking about the rumors. Lori was there, the head of publicity for One Life, and we were talking about it. And then, you know... Boom! Really scary. Yeah. Anyway, this
1: whole idea of audience erosion—it started long before,
0: long, long ago.
1: Long before you left, even. But you know, I think that. Oh yeah. My feeling is that when these shows and ABC was the prime offender, but when they started getting rid of the people that people love to tune in to see—that's it. That was when the audience really started to revolt.
0: You see, I don't believe that it's because the audience went to do other things. I think the audience left because they were pushed out. I mean, if you you if you have a core audience and you're only doing stories about the young because it's cheaper to do that, old bats like me don't want to watch. So you leave. <laughs> and that's how it works. They can you know. use every excuse in the book. If you tell a riveting story with people that you love, you'll be there. You'll watch. You know, but ABC, the only real network that I believe has stayed fairly true to that cbs with young and the restless and bold and beautiful i think they have i think they get it you know bill bell lives and is well over there and his belief in that show and his shows and i think that's the difference i do because they're doing fine
1: and you know it's it's they funny that you trouble. mentioned bill the, the great thing about bill is that he never sold his shows he always kept, He always held on to them and you know, I've been thinking of Agnes this week and wondering if she really regrets yeah. letting go of her shows the way she did.
0: Yeah, I know, because he didn't. You know, he was the force behind it until he died. Uh, you bring in suits. That's what happens, darling. You bring in suits. Not people. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned
1: you mentioned I was listening to an interview with Doug Davidson from from YNR Oh, and, yeah. and he said, you know, people watch these shows to see their faces, and and he said the hardest thing in the world to do is to get somebody to watch again after they've tuned out, because they've really got to try right. you on for size again. And That's right. convincing people to do that takes a long time. And, you know, I think there's really something to that notion. It's not that the I audience do. has become fed up with the idea of soaps or with the idea of investing in long-term storytelling, but they've gotten fed up with soaps the way soaps are currently run.
0: I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. And I also believe that when these two shows go off the air, they're not going to switch over to another soap because... You know how much investment they have to make in mm-hmm. that? They don't know any of the characters. They don't know the history. It's a lot of work. And people just, they're done. They're just done. Oh, and what's
1: just... funny is you can get your soap fix in too many other ways now. I mean, you can turn on Prime Time and yeah. watch The Good right. Wife or Grey's right. Anatomy or and any of these shows. And you can go onto
0: the computer. I just finished um, um, a media shoot for the webisode that Jill Larson and Julia Barr and myself produced.
1: You know, I, I don't mean this in a personal way at all, and I know that you're friends with everybody over there, and you've you've been a good friend to that program over the years. But you know, from the perspective of of programming, considering the direction that daytime seems to be headed in, was the massive success of the View the worst thing that could have happened for soap fans?
0: I don't think so. I think the view is a totally separate entity into itself. I think people who love talk shows and women's talk shows and and controversial and everything from, you know, making a pie to, you know, what kind of underwear do you wear... I think there's an audience for that. The same audience maybe that watches daytime, but it doesn't mean one has completely outshined the other. I believe that daytime is failing because the people who create it, run it, own it, have forgotten what a soap opera is. That's what I think. Soaps were originally developed to bring in family, love, infidelity, pain, joy, but family across the boards not just young people, not just old people, everybody. I remember Angela Shapiro, when she was president of ABC Daytime, said, you know, if you're having a Thanksgiving dinner and Grandma and Grandpa aren't there, the audience will go, where is Grandma and Grandpa? Like you would do if you were walking into your own family home.
1: Absolutely, And
0: I... I believe that's correct. I think the mistake has been, I mean, who sees aliens in their lifetime? <laughs> when you do a story about that, who relates to that? I don't. Or
1: who, don't. who has evil twins among us who has, you know,
0: Yeah. four
1: husbands it's, come back from the dead? I mean, it's
0: silly. It's just exactly. silly. Erica Slezak with the twins. That one is from one guy. One. What? You know, I remember when they did it, I went, What? What does that mean? How do you do that? It's a, there's enough in life, real life, real joys and traumas and difficulties and infidelities and love. Is enough of that to write stories about. Why you went off on a tangent? Because Bruce Willis did Die Hard. <laughs> what? <laughs> what happened here? I think they forgot what a soap opera is. <clears throat> It's a really good, wonderful, loving kind of novel that you get to know those characters and you curl up and you read it every day. That and it's everything
1: good. that you go through, but on a grander scale.
0: Exactly! You relate to it. When I did the alcoholic storyline, oh my god, you can't believe the mail I got from people who were suffering from alcohol and how I was helping them. And we're gonna, I'm gonna go through this with you, Felicia. You'll see.
1: Or people who realized that they had a problem just by watching you.
0: Exactly. Daytime had a power of its own that yeah. no okay. one else has ever had or accomplished. For that, I'm extremely proud. And I think every actor of any note, you know what I mean, feels exactly that same way. We're proud of sure. what we were accomplished, what we did, how we presented it. And when I think that it's going to be all over, because it doesn't have to be, it's not some old-fashioned thing. No one just ever brought it into 2012. That's all. And they short-circuited it. They didn't respect it. They didn't honor it. And they ruined it. And that's what I think. And that makes me crazy. It's like, get out of that chair. Let me sit there. I will show you how to produce this thing. That's what it does. Because it could still be going. So
1: you know, talking about the view. What's funny to What's funny about that show to me is that it, it's essentially five people sitting around talking. I mean, they fold in
0: at the same time you know,
1: celebrities, and that's they fold the in talking at the
0: same time, which will make great. <laughs> oh
1: my God! You know, they they fold in all the other stuff, but at its core, it's five people sitting there. And yet, the okay. hilarious thing is, you have no idea what's going to happen next from one moment to another. And you know, it's what exactly. it's what soaps used to do so well. I mean, there's passionate people arguing right. their viewpoints. There's suspense. Right. There's friendship and affection. And yet, it's just five people sitting right. there talking.
0: That's exactly it. I've always said you could take a background of a black curtain, put two people at a table unadorned in two chairs, and have them talk about real things with real emotions.
1: Or something and- they care passionately about.
0: Correct. And you would keep an audience riveted.
1: It's fascinating. And I
0: defy anyone to tell me different. That's the power of the written word and an accomplished actor saying those words. And it just works. Haven't you ever had the TV on and walk through a room and somebody is doing something like Kim Zimmer and you stop, you look, and before you know it, you're sitting down and you're watching her because real crap is happening. And people know real crap when they see it. It's not hard. You know it because you feel it. That's drama. That's what it is. And that's what daytime was brilliant at. Not everybody, but enough. But
1: enough. <laughs> enough you that know, it made a real enough. dent.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Where you have to tune in the next day.
1: You have you be- to. bet. No question. So let's talk about QVC. Thanks. You're coming back to QVC oh, on Monday.
0: going. I'm going on the 25th again, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time. I have new things. I do. Got the coolest thing. I'm proud of this because I designed it. Not that I don't design everything, but this mechanism and everything is just so brilliant. What it is is a desk that pretends it's a coffee table. And when you lift it up, it comes up like almost a drafting table, and it can become your workstation. Oh, wow. Okay. Where this little thing lives is also places for your papers and your pencils and whatever else or your computer and it's a workstation and it's got nail heads and <laughs> you know warm woods and it's fabulous it is so it's kind of like a twist on that heaven.
1: on that old campaign table that, that it's also a serving exactly
0: yeah. exactly but for someone who wants to watch TV and do their work you bet. for a kid who does his homework For a a woman who works at home, it's such a great piece. So that's coming. I have headboards coming for the first time. I have a new clock, my clock that I have sold for the last, my God, a year and a half, two years now. I sell it out every time I appear, but it's a (laughs) fabulous clock. And I have that same clock in my apartment in New York. And I've just now done another clock called a train station clock, which is big like the last one, drama, in red and in a sort of off natural white, that is half the price. But the drama is unbelievable. So I'm very excited about that. Oh, you know, I always have a lot of new things.
1: Yeah. You know, I have this image of you kind of walking around in your life and whether it's reading magazines or visiting people's homes or offices or, you know, just right. going about the, the course of your daily life and that you've always got your antenna up and you're always waiting for something to grab I your I do. Eye.
0: You're absolutely right. That's exactly what I do. I get ideas from everywhere and everything. When we did our trunks that open from the front, they open from the top. We did, we've did. we been doing these trunks now since I began on QVC doing the home accessory line. And, you know, one of them we saw in a hotel down in Atlanta. <laughs> and we went, you know what, this is good. If we did this and this and this, exactly, I mean, that's what happens. That's the fun of it. That's really the fun of it.
1: You know, I was watching in February, I believe, and I saw those illuminated dragonfly flowers, which were just gorgeous. Oh, my and, God, they're coming you know, such a, the it's, such a, it's such a simple idea, but it's really so beautiful. Isn't and I thought, it? well, she saw something like that somewhere, and she decided to adapt it.
0: Exactly. That's exactly what I did. They're fabulous. They're absolutely fabulous. So, you know, it's fun we have a good time i will never forget one day we're at home goods me and viv because we go everywhere we go to all the design shows we go into the d&d building in new york and this day we were in home goods walking around and she found some stupid horse from india and she said maybe his head could open up and we could put things in there like the remote and stuff i said vivian put the horse down put it down we're not doing that horse But that's the kind of of fun it is. That's the kind of craziness it is. We look in magazines. We get magazines from all over the world. We look through them. We go, you know, this is kind of interesting. What if we did it this way? You know, it's that. It's the creative thing that I love to do. Do you have
1: complete control over what happens with this collection, or does does QVC come to you and say, you know, we want this, we don't want that? I mean, do they ever veto ideas that you come to them with?
0: No, no. I veto ideas they come to me with. They they pretty much, they pretty much, I get to call the shots in that regard. Whether they buy deep into it or not is what they do, but I'm always the last one to say I don't like that, and that's the end of that. Doesn't go on the air. They don't make me sell something I don't love, and I have hands on on every single item I do. It's just It has to be that way because I keep saying it's got my name on it and I believe in what I'm doing and I feel very protective of the people I try and sell things to. And if it's a piece of crap, I don't want them to have it. <laughs> if they were my private client, I'd go, you can't have that, I don't want you to have that. It's <laughs> piece <Speech laughs> of shit, you're not getting it. <laughs> so, so I won't sell anything unless I like it. And some things I like the audience doesn't respond to. I think it's because maybe it's too upscale or... It, doesn't work you know this is not a job where it's impulse buying when i'm selling you a trunk you need to have a place to put a trunk sure you know so you have to think about it it's not like buying a bracelet or a ring so it's more difficult so i feel fortunate that the audience trusts me and that they listen to me and i think it's good i think it's really good I always said when I did fashion accessories, you know, I'll bring you Bergdorf Goodman for a fraction of the cost. And you know what I did for a long time? I did. Because style is style. may not be made out of real leather or real carvings, but it'll have that look. And that's the thing you go for, is the look. That's what sets you apart, not some piece of crap you buy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's something I want to talk to you about, and, and uh, I'm going to ramble and meander here for a bit, but I am going to okay. work my way to a question, so so bear with me okay. here. Okay. But I have someone whose opinion matters to me very deeply, and he listens to, you know, every show I do here and tells me exactly what he thinks about it, and, you know, that input is is really invaluable to me. And so he listened to the last show that we did together, oh, and uh-huh. one of the things he said to me was, she's talking about Frank again, mm. and, you know, to be fair, he didn't mean anything by it. I mean, you know, he didn't he didn't grow right. up watching soaps the way I did. He has no personal affiliation or affection to you the way that I do. Right. I mean, I grew up watching Felicia Gallant, and so, you know, you're like a member of my family. But Right, you know, exactly. I lost my mother, my biological mother. I lost her when I was 12, and oh. the specifics aren't so important, but, you know, not that there's a noble way to die, but she died under circumstances that were rather less than noble. And so, you know, after that, I went to live with my father and my stepmother and new half-sister. And, you know, it's it's fine now. The relationships are absolutely great. But it was tough going for a long time. And what made it worse was, you know, my dad's side of the family is Cherokee Indian. And so, you know, we're very stoic oh. people, you know, always looking forward, don't right. dwell on the past, don't look back. And so right. it was an awkward right. situation anyway. And the inclination for all of us back then was just to not speak about it or her and, you right. know, It was just, you know, lock the door on all of that and toss the key. And while I've more or less made peace with all of it over the years, I'll tell you something. To this day, I still feel a little twinge of weirdness, you know, whenever I talk about her or whenever her name comes up in conversation with other family members or whatever. And so, you know, I admire greatly the fact that you do honor Frank's memory with almost every breath you take and almost every sentence you utter and that you, you know, you do consciously keep that spirit alive. And I'm just curious about if you really are conscious about the fact that you do that and if you do it... I mean, my sense is that you do it to remind yourself that, you know, being Frank's partner in life was such a huge driving force of your life, and also that you do it so that with each passing day, you become a little more comfortable with the idea that he is gone and that you're not only surviving but thriving in spite of it.
0: it that Everything you just said is exactly right. Everything you just said. I loved him with all my heart. I lost him. And I can't help but think of him and have him about me in all kinds of funny little ways. And I have learned how to survive and find a life again honoring him, not in spite of my own life. My own life I have moved on. I'm okay. doesn't mean that I don't think of him every day and talk to him every day, because I do. It doesn't mean that I will ever love anyone Again, like I loved him, I doubt it. I can't even imagine um, but i I realize, as I've gone on that this is god's plan ever what that whatever that plan is, this is god's plan. the test I was given is to survive it, and I have survived it. I have I never thought I would boy. A few years in there, oof, I did not think I would make it. It was a tough ride for me. and um, But I have. And the one thing I will tell you is the one person that would be thrilled about that is my Frank. <laughs> he'd be the first one to go, oh, for God's sake, stop it. I wasn't that great. <laughs> and so now I go, you know what, you're right. You weren't that great. <laughs> you know, he was my guy. He was it. I was safe with him. It's like replacing your mother or your father. How do you do that? You don't. You see, when you're safe with people and all things are possible and you can breathe with them and you can, oh, I'm home. It's that thing I talk about when you walk in your door, I'm home. I'm home in every conceivable way. You don't find that so easily. At least I yeah, That's
1: what I was about to say. You know, it's heartbreaking to, to realize that most people, or a great number of people, never find that person to be safe with. They
0: don't. Somebody once said to me in the very beginning after I lost Frank, would you have rather not had him because it's too painful, or would you rather have had him because of the joy he gave you? And I went, no, I would rather have had him. I will live with this pain, but I can't ever. Not think about those memories. I can't. They were too full. They were too fun. They were too wonderful. But it's hard. Oh, Lord and God, it's hard. <laughs> and um I talk about him, not to remind myself to talk about him. I just talk about him because he's still very much a part of my life. I think about him all the time. I talk to him all the time. <laughs> so he's just kind of around in a kind of, you know, whatever way that is, I have come to live with it and, and like it in some ways and some days even now seven years later it will be eight years in September can you even imagine wow. but there are days that I take a dive just take a dive don't know why it could be a song it could be a, a sentence it could be something I read something I visually saw and I'm off and running and then I you know go well this is not getting me anywhere <laughs> So, okay, let's eat a piece of cake and move on. You know, that's the way it is. I, I'm very grateful that I had it. Do I expect to have it again? Do I need to have it again? No, not really. No, I don't. I'll wait. I'll see him again. He'll be there. He said to me in a reading, I'll be the one to greet you. Wow. I thought, well, I would hope so, Frank.
1: You damn well better be. I would
0: hope you'd feel that way, <laughs> but you're not out on a golf course somewhere. <laughs>
1: so You know, I'll tell you what I admire most about and I admire a, a, a ton of things about you, but what I admire most about you is that you are so open with your fans and that you have this beautiful gift for taking your own pain and your own tough experiences, whether it's, you know, your father's Alzheimer's or your own battles with eating disorders or, you know, your depression in the wake of some tough losses. You're great about taking the bad stuff and turning it around and making it work for the greater good of millions of other people.
0: Well, that's so nice of you to say. I, all I know is sharing is the ultimate gift we give each other because I believe we all feel the same way about stuff we all want to be loved we all want to be thinner we all want to be more beautiful we want our hair to work we want money in the bank we want our children to thrive and be wonderful human beings we want all the same things i don't care what language you speak what country you live in we all want the same stuff and the only thing that i think is fulfilling is to talk about it to share it because if you share it, it helps you. I'll tell you when I, after I lost Frankie, and, and they came to me about doing a, a campaign about depression, because they knew at that point that I was struggling, and I said to Viv, I, I can't do this, Vivian. I can't get up there and talk about Frank. I can't talk about how I feel and how what bad shape I'm in. I can't. And when I did the, I did a conference call. Vivian was on it. I was on it. The heads of, of pharmaceutical were on it, and. I cried three times in that conference call. I started, I broke down and started to cry. And I hung up finally and I said, I can't do this, Vivian, I can't. Uh, All I'll do is get up there and cry in front of people. It won't be good. I won't help anyone. And they came back to me and she came back and she said, Linda, it will be a healing thing for you. You know what you believe in. You know that it will help you. And do you have any idea how many people it will help? And I thought and thought and thought about it. And then I went to, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. Maybe God wants me to help people through depression. Maybe I could do that. And that's why I agreed to it. But, oh, my God, I would cry at these symposiums. I would be up there on the stage and I'd have to stop because I'd bring up something about Frank and I would start to cry. (laughs) But I have to tell you, it helped me. They were right. It helped me to talk about it. So it's the thing I believe most about life. I suppose that's why I share everything, because I think the sharing is the greatest gift we give each other. Because then you're not alone. You know how many people are isolated and alone? You bet.
1: bet. And
0: no one to talk to and no one to hear Whether it's by choice or not. I think that's the essence of daytime. I do. Same thing. They become your... I remember after Frank died, I watched QVC in the middle of the night because that was the only thing that was ever on that where they were talking to me. <laughs> I felt they were talking to me. And you know what? It helped me. helped me get through those awful, bad, dark nights. And I think that's about... Talking and sharing and sure. laughing. You know, you I did the same thing involved. with your
1: father's Alzheimer's, and you did it. You did it yeah. in a, at a time when uh, yeah. when very few people knew what that disease even was. Uh-huh. You put together that kit, uh-huh. which helped, I'm sure, untold millions of people.
0: You know, when I finally, and, and this was quite by accident, a friend of mine knew her very well, and I had the great privilege of meeting Nancy Reagan at a dinner party, and I said to her, "Mrs. Reagan, I cannot tell you on behalf of someone who's." family suffered with Alzheimer's, how much it meant to so many millions that you spoke freely about President Reagan and his battle with Alzheimer's. You have no idea what you did, or maybe you do, but on behalf of someone who has lived it, I cannot thank you enough she was very gracious with me she was just great and i meant it with all my heart because it's true when i came out and then david hyde pierce did work mm-hmm. for alzheimer's and when nancy reagan talked about president reagan these are all ways of helping people cope to opening the door to silence and fear and oh my god Alzheimer's is such an ugly disease, and it's so debilitating, not just to the one who has it, but to families. It's just awful. And I speak of that from firsthand experience. It almost leveled me. That's why it's so funny when somebody calls and says, listen, will you do a thing about, um, you know, prostate cancer? No, I'm sorry, I can't. Don't have any, <laughs> don't have any, any, any first-hand knowledge about that. But thank you, Annie, for asking. You know, I need to, I will take on a campaign when it's personal to me. And then I can have a voice. Then I can talk about what it is I know about. It's the same reason I do design, because I know it. I know what I'm saying to you. I'm not making it up. I'm not just an actor standing there selling somebody else's stuff. I'm trying to help you. That's how I have always operated, and it's helped me. It's worked for me, and it will continue until I finally, you know, hit a brick wall.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, you've always been one of those celebrities that really gets the power and the inherent responsibility of your visibility. I mean, you understand that Mm -hmm. people look up to you and respect Mm -hmm. you, and you've always handled that fact and honored it with extreme grace, I think.
0: Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. Really, I do. I really mean that. I really do. Uh, it's a very nice thing for you to say to me. I hope so. I hope I never lose that. Oh, wouldn't that be awful? Oh, God. <laughs> you know, I always it was always important to be able to look at myself in a mirror and
1: and believe it wasn't all about me. So we're coming up on a royal wedding here. Are you going to be sitting there with popcorn like everybody else?
0: I am indeed. I plan to do their first apartment, those two. I know they're going to call. I'm very excited about it. I'll tell you why. I'm excited because it's about history of the world. Thank God the Brits still get excited about this. In a world that I don't quite understand anymore, it's about royalty, which is what they do and have for centuries. And the whole country that has been completely altered over the last century, this is their deal. And I yeah. think it. I think it's so exciting for them and for the world. I'm going to watch. I can't wait. I think she's adorable. I think he's adorable. And I can't help but think about Diana and how you know, tragic th- that that's, was. That's
1: exactly it. What's funny is that she was the world's princess in many ways. I mean, she really gave... It. She really gave everybody who watched her an entree into the lives of the royals Absolutely. that nobody had really had prior to her.
0: That's right. Because she was an ordinary
1: right. woman, you know, whatever that means. And, right. you know, she made a lot of right. people care about what happened in that environment.
0: Absolutely. And, of
1: course, because of her, I, you know, we watched those two, two boys grow up. And I think this young
0: girl will as well, and this boy. I think she, he is a product of his mother, even though he's very, very, very close to his dad. I think he's a product. A lot of Diana lives in him. And I think this is going to be an incredibly joyful union. And England needs this right now. Yeah, you're going to watch? You bet. Of course. Me too. The whole damn
1: world is going to watch. I mean, this is a global event.
0: Absolutely. Even (laughs) Imus in the morning, who keeps making fun of it, he's going to watch. I know he is. Because everybody going to watch.
1: And, you know, I mean, it's it's an impossible economy. You know, there's all this turmoil everywhere. It's great to see a little happiness coming out out of somewhere in the world.
0: And opulence and
1: tradition, you bet. no, isn't question. it. Me too. I agree. I agree. And of course, I want to thank the terrific Linda Dano for popping in here one more time to let me bend her ear again and let me talk her ear off about this, that, and whatever. Uh, she knows I love talking to her. You know I love talking to her. I want to tell you one more time: uh, Monday, April twenty-fifth, three p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Linda is back on QVC with the latest version of the Linda Dano Home Collection. So please check your local listings and check that out. She's got great stuff. Uh, you know her stuff. You love her stuff. I love her stuff. I love her. Uh, one more time, Linda Dano, QBC, Monday, April 25th. Check your local listings. That brings Brandon's Buzz to a wrap. I'm thrilled to be back on the air. And I want to tell you, if you're listening to the show, you already know how to find it, I'm sure. But in case you don't, three places online to find this show. BlogTalkRadio.com slash Brandon's Buzz is home base. For this show, from there, you can listen to every show that's been done. They're all archived. You can see what's coming up on the show, what is on the show, what's been on the show. You can leave comments. You can send emails. It really is mission control for Brandon's Buzz. Again, it's blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. You can also find me at brandonsbuzz.com, my blog. Every episode, at the top of every page at brandonsbuzz.com, there's a blue button marked radio you click that button, that takes you to a full listing of every episode of this show. There are, This is episode number 78. This and all previous 77 are in the radio archive at Brandon's Buzz. And again, just click on the radio button at the top of any page at brandonsbuzz.com, and you'll get there. Uh, you can also find me at iTunes. I'm on iTunes, guys. Just type Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box, scroll down to the podcast section, click on my logo from there. You can... Uh, subscribe to the show. You can you can download individual episodes of the show to listen to as podcasts, or you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the music store. So I'm on iTunes, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter. Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and I promise you something will pop up that points you in my direction. And as always, I appreciate you guys coming in my direction. I appreciate you guys finding me and listening to me, and I hope you continue finding and listening. To Brandon's
0: Buzz. Hi, everybody out there. This is Eileen Kristen, and I have just been on Brandon's Buzz. This is a great show and a very sophisticated mind. So spread the word, Brandon's Buzz. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy, great show. Check it out. Hey, guys,
1: this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi,
0: this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So if you feel that you just can't take it And your world isn't what it seems Don't forget that life can be what you make it Baby, when you live on a street of dreams Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon Buzz, the place to be. Hi, everybody. This is Nicholas Walker. Merci à vous tous. Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio. Bonsoir, et à très bientôt.